Hey there, this is Andrew Sellen, better known to you as Mr. Penn and the ventriloquist on Gotham. And this is Mr. Scarface. And if you know what's good for you, you'll listen to Suther House Podcast. Get it? Welcome, everybody, to Superhouse Once Again. This is the second part into our deep dive into the Batman video games. I am the man who knows too much about Batman video games. And... hey, oh, this is your boy, Wolfie, right here. How's it going? I'm here. What's happening? And this is Ben Wan, the man who knows too much about Batman stuff that is not video games. And uh, we have our special guest once again... And he called himself the man who draws Batman too much, though I can't get enough of it myself. <laughs> Dustin Lee Massey. And I'm oh. Dustin Lee Massey, and I have probably lost three years of my life playing those Arkham games. That's <laughs> <laughs> why you're the perfect guest for this. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. You, you might not be aware yet because as of this recording, the first one's not even out yet. But this is the second part in our series. The uh, first one we covered the retro gaming, the first Batman games that, that were ever made. And now we're skipping to the Arkham series in this second installment. So I've personally played and beaten every single one of the Arkham games. And first oh, yeah. up, let's, uh, Wolfie, you have as well or no? I don't think I beat Arkham Knight. I thought it was pretty whack. Go ahead. Okay. And DL? I have played and beat all of them, and I've even... Uh, beat some of them more than once. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I am proud to report that uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's called. It may, it may have like strained my my marriage a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> you know a girl? <laughs> wow, that's hilarious! Big reveal. <laughs> when I first started oh, dating Yuka, I was playing the third like arkham origins or something and i used to say i gotta save this city to her or something <laughs> like that. <That's> amazing. <laughs> she thought that was of course wonderful everybody um so of course uh, you did and i have played um i played arkham asylum with my roommate uh and nice. then bits and pieces of city and arkham knight nice yeah. hey that's something ben and you probably watched <laughs> a lot on youtube right yeah i've watched a lot of the, like the important scenes because like everybody Eventually, once the game comes out, people start giving away certain scenes online, and they're just like, you know what? I've heard so much about Joker coming back in Arkham Knight. I might as well just fucking watch what happens. <laughs> so that's how I ended up finding this stuff out. Okay, yeah. Um, so let's do similar what we do to our review episodes a little bit, but like in three sentences max, if you can. Um, just your personal history with the entire series, no one game in particular. I'll start off just to get everybody, uh, you know, going. Um, basically, you know, this, I think I'm not alone in thinking that we never really knew a Batman game could be so good. Uh, I was first lent the game, I think when I was living in Japan or something, by a friend. And he had lent me, like, several other games before, and I was just kind of bored by him, and I gave him back immediately. He gave me this one, and he was like, I don't know why. He doesn't. He didn't understand. Like, He, he wasn't like a huge, huge Batman fan. He was like, I don't know why you kept that one the longest out of all the other ones I gave you. I was like, dude, it's fucking Batman. Are you fucking kidding me? It's great. Um, it was a series <laughs> that kind of delivered on all of its promises, um, for the most part, in my opinion. 
and uh, kind of, yeah, just brought you the really the ultimate Batman experience in video game form. Um, let's go to DL next uh, for, for personal experiences. Oh, that was longer than three sentences, I'm sorry. But kind of an overview. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, um, well, and what you mentioned was, like, it's Batman, but it wasn't just Batman, but it was actually a solid game. And yeah, exactly. the gameplay was just, like, groundbreaking um and like the first like predator mission uh that you did in the first game um and just like playing that over and over again and and trying to figure out like how quick can i do it can i do it without being spotted and then flash forward all the way to the last one and they had the the fight challenges where you could play like all the different characters and go through all the different fight modes and I think I spent more time, like, on those challenges than I did the actual game, uh, the last one. But um, just amazing. Um, the execution, just the gameplay, art style, story, like, the whole thing, except for the Batmobile. <laughs> okay, yeah. we're, we're going to get to that. Let's, let's put a pin in that real quick. That will be coming up. But uh, uh, let's go to Ben, actually, next. Uh, let's see. Arkham Asylum was a good bonding experience with uh, my roommate who had gotten it and didn't know that much about Batman, so I could fill him in on stuff while he filled me Whoa. in on how to fucking play it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that was nice. And uh, Arkham City, I definitely appreciate because I'm a huge Hugo Strange fan, as fans of the podcast and Andrew know. So the fact yep. that he was brought up as supposedly the main villain of that emphasis on supposedly uh was kind of <laughs> cool <laughs> and wolfie i played the main three i actually never played origins though i've let on that i have um i have watched <laughs> oh, a lot of videos of or- i've watched a lot of video of origins and i quite like the small aspects of how it differs from the main three um my favorite being probably arkham city okay yeah all right, cool. Um, so let's get into it. Before we dive into the game itself, let's first go over the setting and its namesake. So what exactly is an Arkham, y'all? Um, <laughs> I don't know. So Arkham is a fictional town situated in Massachusetts. It's a dark city and an integral part of the Lovecraft, Lovecraft country setting mm-hmm. created by H.P. Lovecraft. It is featured in many of the stories, many of his stories and uh, the Cthulhu mythos. Um, there's even an Arkham Sanatorium featured in the short story "The Thing on the Doorstep," which was a stor- doorstep, which was unfortunately one of Lovecraft's less less well-received works. Uh, and uh, Ben, do was you he know, dropping end bombs? Uh, yeah, Lovecraft's uh, <laughs> racist proclivities. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, supposedly didn't seep into his work that much, though. Thankfully. Anyway, um, so Ben, do you know offhand when Arkham Asylum was first introduced into the comics? Uh, it was by Dennis O'Neill uh, around the seventies, and it was first called Arkham Hospital, which is kind of what they reference in the Joker movie by calling it Arkham State Hospital. Very good, Ben. Um, yeah, it's uh, Batman number two fifty-eight, October nineteen seventy-four, written by Dennis O'Neill and art by Irv Novick. Uh, Arkham Asylum serves as a psychiatric hospital for Gotham City area housing patients who are criminally insane. Beginning when its own architect became mentally unwell and hacked his workers to death with an axe. 
He was convicted yes. and sentenced to spend the rest of his life in the same asylum he had been building. Wow. The, the one-shot graphic novel Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth, establishes that the asylum was named after Elizabeth Arkham, the mother of the founder Amadeus Arkham. The original name of the asylum was Arkham Hospital, like Ben just said. Amadeus. Uh, began in the early 1900s. Um yeah. Oh, and this is another great one. I think Wolfie will like this. Uh, the floor plan supposedly uh, has is supposed to evoke occult runes, believe that the pattern would drive away the mysterious bat that haunted his dreams. That was Doctor Doc, Dr. Arkham thought that. Cool. I like I like that um, guy. I don't think this particular aspect of the occult runes uh, entered the game ever, but it's kind of a cool little tidbit. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's the part. It's the only part that carries over is the whole spirit of Arkham thing. When Quincy Sharp is like, "I'm actually the spirit of Arkham," type of thing in the first game. Right. And I heard a bat, and it came a rapping. That kind of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just something is slowly jumping. That's Poe. Po, but yeah. Um, anyway, all right, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the basics for the entire series. Uh, Let's go over that real quick. Uh, Batman, the Arkham series. Uh, the, fan, the, the term uh, Arkhamverse is fan-originated. I don't think that's official, but it serves a purpose, especially online. Um, it's an action-adventure video game series based on DC Comics character Batman, developed by Rocksteady Studios and won by WB Games Montreal, published by Warner Brothers uh, Interactive Entertainment. The first two Rocksteady games were written by veteran Batman writer Paul Dini and featured voices by Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill uh, for Batman and the Joker, respectively. Uh, the Arkham games have kept most of the Batman mythos intact, the important parts anyway. He's still motivated by, he's still motivated by the death of his parents. He's still secretly billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. He has Alfred the Batcave, the Batmobile, well, especially in the fourth one. <laughs> um, all the important things are there for the most part. Uh and, of course, the series starts off, as we all know, in Arkham Asylum. It's the only one that's only in Arkham Asylum, though. I think it just kind of keeps that Arkham name just for, uh, you know, consistency's sake for the, for the series. Um, all of the games uh, in this series are a type of 3D Metroidvania type of game. Uh, basically, uh, Metroidvania comes from... Uh, the games Metroid and Castlevania, which basically pioneered this genre that is somewhat in between a side-scroller platformer and an RPG, because you are going through levels like a platformer, uh, side-scroller, but you are also upgrading as you go, uh, just like uh, an RPG. Okay. That's how he gets those wonderful toys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you progress through the game beating up bad guys while upgrading as well. So, yeah. Uh, all the games have regular beat-em-up sections as well as Predator Mode stealth segments, which are similar to Metal Gear and Tenchu and the like, and also detective segments as you enter detective mode. Some people said that the first game had a little bit too much detective mode or you could go through the whole thing never uh, being outside of detective mode, which was fixed in later versions, but we'll go over that in more detail later. But let's... Uh, Put a pin in that real quick and talk about. So, are you guys more of a predator stealthy guy or just a beat 'em up guy? Let's go uh, DL first. Um, it, it uh, I really 
went back and forth. Um, and actually, I was actually trying to see if I could pull up my achievements because uh, I'm actually on my Xbox. Okay, <laughs> yeah. It was like, I think it was like a 50 hit combo or something like that. Like, I know I got it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a beat up, beat em up guy then, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, in, in not only that, it was not only get the 50 hit combo, but it was like use every gadget in the combo. And oh, like, shit. I, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like, you had to use like every gadget. And it took, I remember it took me forever to get that achievement, but I finally got it. Um, but there was also the part that I love the predator, uh, missions. And when I mentioned earlier before, like I'd beat it twice, like one time would be a run through where I'm just going to, you know, fight everybody. And the other time would be like, let's see how stealthy I could be. Right. Right. Okay. And, uh, Wolfie. Um, I like to give those criminals something to fear. <laughs> Working from within the shadows. <laughs> but you know you get backed into a corner sometimes and you gotta use your wits and you're, you gotta press that counter button baby which I also love as a game fighting mechanic which has turned up in a few other games Spider-Man and Sleeping Dogs which come to mind I love that ability to like catch the attack coming at you and then chain that together with other attacks um, or if you don't catch it you get your ass whooped good stuff well, I think the, the, the big jump-off point was, like, Assassin's Creed, maybe? Oh, yeah, Assassin's Creed yeah. did have a lot of that in terms of its swashbuckling and kind of... But, you know, I never played much of those games, to be fair. To be fair. Yeah, that kind of, like, was the first to really have that fighting mechanic, probably. Something similar to yeah. it, right? Yeah. I love it now, though. It lends to so much creativity, or at least it feels as though it does. Well, yeah. everything copies Spider- it now, too, because yeah. it's, it's, it's the new yeah. standard, at least for right now, you know? Yeah, yeah I feel like Spider-Man may have fighting game. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Spider-Man elevated it a little bit, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, we'll get to that at another time. <laughs> the Spider-Man ben, deep dives. Um, did you up. play? Yeah, did, Ben. Did you play um, any of these segments at all? Do you have a preference? Uh, you know, as a Batman fan, I do prefer stealth. But when you're actually at the controller, there is something very cathartic about being the ever-loving shit out of criminals. <laughs> As much as possible. So I'd have to go with when I'm under the control, I beat the shit out of them. Like the, I forgot yeah. the name of the challenge, but the one in Asylum where you pretty much go at it until you die. Like I think that was an ongoing like thing. Yeah, the survival or something like that. We we would switch off on that every single night just to get some aggression out. Nice. I think I'm slightly. I do like beat him up a lot, but I think I'm slightly more of a predator guy. I loved. I loved Tenchu back in the day, the ninja game. I love Metal Gear, all that shit. Like I like Amen. making people my fucking prey. They never saw me coming. <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> you string them up before they even knew it hit them. Yes. Oh, dude, the, the whole string up move. For. I love that shit. No, Tenchu. I can't believe you brought that out, man. That was groundbreaking, oh. too. <laughs> yes, it really was. And it was yeah. a little bit Ricky easier Maru. stealth than, than uh, yeah, a little bit easier stealth action than Metal Gear was, slightly. I think you're crazy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All of the Rocksteady games were directed by this British dude named Sefton Hill. Uh, he was started out, it seems like, uh, as a tester for Discworld 2 Mortality Bites. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> like, Discworld is a, is a um, PC game, mainly. Terry Pratchett? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Discworld. I know Discworld, the name, I've not, was, again, never, not much of a PC gamer, but that name is familiar to me to a certain degree. Yeah, 
think it's a series of novels as well. Maybe I, I might be wrong. The first game that Rocksteady made before this was a game called Urban Chaos, and we'll get back to that in a second. Urban Chaos Riot Response. But Sefton Hill in a, in a Reddit AMA, that's an Ask Me Anything. How does it feel coming from Urban Chaos Riot Response to being known as the creator of the single best superhero game of all time? He responded, It's surreal even now. When we made Arkham Asylum, we had no idea it was going to be popular until very late in development. I remember demoing the game to the publisher at one time, and there were two people from the publisher in the room. After about three minutes of the demo, they went and got someone to join, and then someone else, and then someone else. By the Jeez. end of the demo, there <laughs> like were fucking about nerds 50 did it. people crammed into this tiny room. It was then that we started to think that we might have something a bit special. Um, they also asked him, which of Batman's weapons is your personal favorite? To which Sefton Hill responded, his mind. If he's got <laughs> one superpower, it's his determination and dedication. That's one, but... That's more than one, but whatever. <laughs> you always know he's about five steps ahead of everyone else in the room. And it's that which I think makes him so aspirational. That idea that if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. That's exactly what Batman has done. Okay. And then another minor tidbit before we get into um, specific games. In all of the Arkham games, but this is revealed in Arkham Origins, I think, the third one, Batman is 6'4". In the comics, he is generally 6'2". Why they made this change, I do not know. I don't know why they could have made him 6'2". In the, in the, it's the ears. The, the ears at two inches. Bigger dick. Is that bigger what it dick. is? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but <laughs> I would <was> Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Bat dick. Oh, wait. The, and you what find this out whenever there's a police loudspeaker talking about where Batman is, or they're trying to find out. 6'9. He's 6'4. Go find him. You know, I don't know what he says exactly. <laughs> That's but. too tall. 100 years ago, 200 years ago, he'd have been in a cage. That's too tall. <laughs> well, maybe it's uh, he's got lifts in the bat boots. I don't know. It's <laughs> uh, be hard to run around. How's he going to fight anything? He's like punching the sidewalk. I mean, come on. Anyway, go ahead. You got the bat boots from the ZX Spectrum game. All right, so the first game in the series was, of course, Batman Arkham Asylum. Came out in 2009. Can you believe that shit was 11 years ago? Uh, in this, the plot is the Joker, Batman's arch enemy, has instigated an elaborate plot from within Arkham Asylum, where many of Batman's other foes have been incarcerated. Batman investigates and comes to learn that the Joker is trying to create an army of Bane-like creatures to threaten Gotham City and is forced to put a stop to the Joker's plans. Throughout the night, Batman is forced to deal with the temporarily admitted sane prisoners from Blackgate Prison, Scarecrow, Zaz, Poison Ivy, Bane, Killer Croc, and Harley Quinn. Batman trying to stop his arch enemy, the Joker who instigates an elaborate battle. Did I already go over that? Seize control of Arkham City and trap Batman inside. Batman is forced to fight his way through the asylum's inmates and put an end to Joker's plans, basically. It's kind of the a voice actors here are Kevin Conroy, of course, Batman, Mark Hamill, Joker, Kimberly Brooks as Barbara Gordon, Oracle, MPT Officer, and Bishop, Danny Jacobs as Victor Zaz, Arlene Sorkin as Harley Quinn, and many more. Ben, did I forget any that I should mention now? Uh, I think Tom Kane as Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Batmite. Let me think. 
Batmite was Bat in Might. there. Post- no, Batmite was not in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the game I'm waiting for, baby. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, those are the, yeah, those are the main ones at the top of my head. Zaz was uh, somewhat... Wasn't he kind of big in the game? He was always around at some point, it felt like. He had a big old scar on his head. Here's the thing. I played and beat it. I played and beat him, and I played it a lot back in the day, but that was back in... 2009, 2010, and mm-hmm. I haven't picked it up since. Great game, but I usually don't pick up games once I beat them all that much. Because mm-hmm. um, he's yeah. better than that. <laughs> and he's better than you. This game entered the Guinness Book of World Records as, as the most critically acclaimed superhero video game of all time. Wow. Uh, the game's version of Arkham Asylum is, of course, heavily influenced uh, by... The comics it features strong elements from Alan Grant, stories of Alan Grant, the limited series Arkham Asylum Hell on Earth, the very obvious references to Grant Morrison's graphic novel Arkham Asylum a Serious Arkham Asylum a Serious House on Serious Earth on a Serious Earth is it in there? I forget. Uh I think uh, it is, yeah. A okay, serious a Serious House, house on, a serious on, on a Serious Earth. I think and many other influences. The Arkham Asylum game actually owes its existence to a failed The Dark Knight movie game. One of the most popular Batman movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Never got a game. Uh, and, uh, Batman Begins was, did. Batman Begins yeah, had did. a game. Where's Dark Knight? <laughs> and Where's Dark it Knight's was game? great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. The Dark Knight video game was an open world game that was being developed by EA and Pandemic Studios. Oh, man, the name Pandemic now. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> these were the guys behind uh, Star Wars Battlefront and Mercenaries. Mm. But the game fell apart and wasn't anywhere ready by the time that the Dark Knight was hitting theaters mid-2008. So, wah, wah. And also, they lost $100 million on this fucking development. Oh, damn. Yeah. They were putting some money into it. It was a big movie, and it was EA, you know, but it just didn't happen. So oh, this wow. failure led to EA handing this off to IDOS, who uh, also had their hands on the license, and they had pretty much free reign to do with whatever they wanted with Batman at this time. So they had nothing to lose. They go... <laughs> they had It says... And they had a very low bar set by EA. So <laughs> EA <laughs> then hands it to Rocksteady Studios, which is a small, independent British developer. And um, they had only had one game before this, which was, like we said before, Urban Chaos. Yes, exactly. This game didn't have terrible reviews, didn't have stellar reviews. I looked, it has a 73% on Metacritic. So, you know, it's not a bad game. It was for PS2. Um, it was also, uh, at this time, Rocksteady was a tiny team. They had 40 people. Okay. Uh, to give that uh, perspective, um, and they ended then when they finished the game, they only had 60 ish, probably for crunch time and all that games these days have anywhere between 500 to a thousand people working on it. Games like Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty or whatever like that. The AAA games, which, it, uh, Arkham, the Arkham series is a AAA game at this point. So, had very humble beginnings, actually. The producers forced Kevin Conroy to use his regular speaking voice for this first one. He had to not use his trademark gruff Batman voice in, in for whatever reason. I don't remember. I don't remember this particularly, but yeah, this is interesting. Seems like an a, important fact to know about. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I am sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> Probably because they're going to put some effect up onto it after the fact. It sounds like did they though? I don't think they or something. I don't, I don't think I, I they noticed that. In. I think he just had slightly He's different like, Hi, direction. Guys. They made it. They probably just like wanted Batman, to carve their own thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't wanna know why tussle? exactly. <laughs> I'm Kevin. I mean Batman. Nice to meet you. <laughs> His natural voice isn't too far different anyway from Batman. Um, he had to have some because I don't remember being that thrown off at all by how he sounded in Arkham Asylum. Oracle, plot me a route to the Batcave. I have to take a shit. <laughs> I'll have to look this up later. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the Scarecrow sequences. Scarecrow sequences were initially going to have these eternal darkness-like sanity effects. So I didn't know much about this game, Eternal Darkness, but it was for of all systems, the GameCube, uh, which seems I think it was GameCube anyway. It seems like it should be more of a PS2 game because it was more of like a rated R, M-rated type of game, but. Uh, mm-hmm. So these eternal darkness sanity effects are like similar to if you remember Psycho Mantis in the first Metal Gear where he would kind of it was kind of meta and it fucked with the system like mm-hmm. you had to unplug your controller from P- from the first port to the controller too so he could stop stop uh, mind controlling you or whatever I see you've been playing Barbie's Pony Tycoon <laughs> so <laughs> Like, Scarecrow was going to have effects like this where the screen would go black, uh, like it was turned off. Bugs would be crawling on the TV screen. Gameplay volume would change. Um, Upon saving your game, it would say, are you sure you want to delete all your data? (laughs) You would get a type of blue screen of death. Things like that. They wanted to incorporate this kind of shit, which would be kind of cool. I could definitely see them doing that. But... Mm -hmm. uh, they actually ran into legal trouble with Nintendo for this because Nintendo patented some of this, apparently. So that was taken out. What the fuck? It would have been cool, though. It would have been not What does that even mean? Place. What did they What did they patent? Mindfucking? Nintendo mindfuck. Get your, <laughs> your Switch today. What did Dude, they do? I, what did they do? I, I hate don't these know. fucking corporations. Anyway, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and anyway, I think Kojima did that shit first with Metal Gear 1. But anyway, who's, yeah. who's to say, they really? Just take everything from Hideo. Take everything. Yeah, man. Hideo's got it yeah, all, go man. So this is also, to me, one of the most interesting uh, facts about all the Arkham games. Uh, the Eidos president, Ian Livingstone, said that one of the developers spent two years just programming Batman's cape. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> they used over 700 animations and sound effects. 700. The cape's important. To make it move realistically. Yeah, it's in- insanely important for a Batman game. So, mm-hmm. And that was for the very first one, I think. That's, That'd be hard. It's fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. They laid the groundwork for the, the ones that came after. I can't even get my clothes to drape accurately. <laughs> There's also some more interesting shit with... Um, with Joker and Harley. Uh, if you look around Joker and Harley's lair in the game, you'll find a baby crib with the ventriloquist puppet, also known as the gangster Scarface, sitting up and dressed like dressed up like the Joker. All around the floor are a bunch of negative pregnancy tests. But if you look by the dummy's Weird. feet, there's a positive one, suggesting what? that Harley and Mr. J are indeed pregnant and are planning to bring one twisted kid into the world. Baby Joker? He'll be called Chuckles. <laughs> so, in the DLC, Chuckles. there's DLC called Harley's Revenge, and Ooh. it suggests that Quinn's pregnancy was either a lost or a false positive. 
Uh, really, they're just kind of fucking with fans. They just want to, like, throw that out there, I guess, you know? All those Joker Harley shippers. Did you ever find this uh, DL when you were playing the game? Um, I remember uh, uh, distinctly the doll. Um, and, but I do, I did not catch the, the pregnancy test, but I definitely, you know, noticed the doll in that part, but yeah, I had no clue about the pregnancy test. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I had, I didn't know either at all when I played the game. I don't, I don't know if I, I never got the DLC for this game either. So I've missed that entirely. I only get DLC every now and again, but, uh, so, uh, Wolfie, did you, uh, notice this when you were playing? I did not. Okay, Ben. <laughs> uh, let's see. No, I don't remember that. I just remember wondering where the hell the ventriloquist was if Scarface was there. Oh, Damn right. Yeah, exactly. They're just throwing little hints there. Yeah, little hints. I don't think the ventriloquist ever showed up, did he? In the video games? I don't mm, think so. No. Yeah, yeah, it's chock full of this shit. These You can yeah. really tell these guys are fucking well-versed in Batman mythos yeah. there's even that more there... where you find the Razal ghoul body and then when you look again the mm. body's gone yeah <laughs> right nice yeah is there a you'll, you'll probably get to this later but is there a crime alley in the arkham games that you can like oh yeah go to yeah 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 okay, oh yeah okay, cool cool definitely I forgot. Uh, that was I even like a whole like thing with scarecrow right like like you end yes. up yeah yeah oh. the third one i i got a real bad one. memory <laughs> <laughs> And it's kind of Among tough, too, things. because they were so large and you know, right. so cohesive that it's kind of like some of it blends together, you know? Yeah. A lot of, yeah, it's they're so, somewhat similar throughout, but it's not a bad thing. They're, they're consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, any other personal experience about this particular game before we head into the other ones? The very first Batman Arkham outing. Um, I fucking loved it, as you guys know. Uh, it was pretty much everything I wanted. I think a lot of the bosses, the way you fought the bosses, where you jumped on the the back like Bane's back, was kind of a little similar. Like all the bosses had a similar pattern, it seemed like. But other than that, it was just, man, it was just fucking great. It was like they just really fucking nailed it. Um, anybody else? Just uh, let's go with uh, Ben real quick. I remember being uh, a little disappointed in the Nightfall comic when Batman never really got a rematch with Bane, the Bruce Wayne version, so it was kind of satisfying in that point in Arkham, the game, where Bane's like, I will break you, and Batman's like, no, Bane, this time I break you, and he runs him over the Batmobile, (laughs) and I was like, you know what, there was never a moment like that. Bruce probably was laying up in that bed like, oh, I should have said that. And then <laughs> yeah. waited and then finally <laughs> waited so many years to say that to him. Oh, Ben, you didn't even know it was coming. Uh, Wolfie, your thoughts on uh, on Arkham Asylum? Is the very first game have that really great fight with Croc where you're on those platforms or is that the second one? That's the first one, right? That might be the first one. Yeah, I remember that. I think it's the first one. I remember thinking that was just such a cool fight and terrifying. Um, uh, I always appreciate horror elements in non-horror games, so to speak. But yeah, I, I do remember that pretty distinctly. It was great. I love that part too. And you were fucking Batman. Oh, you were Batman. <laughs> That's true. That's Holy true. God. <laughs> DL. Um, for me, like the 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 minute like I knew or like the moment I knew like the game was going to be amazing was from the beginning <laughs> when they're wheeling Joker in 
and he's strapped oh, yeah. to the the gurney or whatever and he's like talking to you the whole time and you're sitting in the elevator with him like going down the shaft and just like that initial like scene kind of like set the tone for like the entire game um and that was just like i was like okay this is going to be amazing this is going to be amazing yeah yeah it's it's just you know you really nailed it whenever like there aren't like like hardcore batman fans like like the, as as hardcore as people like Ben, like Ben, you, like you feel like they just fucking nailed every single single thing about it, just about. Uh, from what I remember, yeah, I mean, I remember looking at how Batman looked and and feeling like, oh man, why didn't they ever make that into live action? You know, at the time, because the closest we, right. had, you know, we mm-hmm. we hadn't seen the Batflex suit, we hadn't seen anybody try to do the two toned, buff looking. Batman yet and just the designs yeah. yeah they were a little different um also I think remember I think I was reading up this might have been the first time that they did put Harley in the pigtails oh you know, yeah I think thing. you are correct about yeah. that. yeah and that's that's now carried over into her regular outfit as opposed to uh before when it was just all the jester stuff right it spawned yeah. an entire generation of cosplayers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes that's all you like, see this now is, Baby. this is a lot more this is a lot easier <laughs> than putting on the jester outfit <laughs> Hello, beautiful. <laughs> the other thing that was surprising, too, like you mentioned it earlier, was this idea that they just gave the game to, like, this this publisher who was not known and was like, hey, do whatever you want with it. And the video game industry is, like, this industry where, like, that never happens. Like, everything has to be, like, a sure bet. And it's always a AAA game, and it's always, like, a, a, a company who's known. And it's so rare that that happens. And the only other company that I think has that same parallel to Rocksteady is like Bioware when they did the Mm. original Knights of the old Republic. And Mm. that game was amazing. And they like blow up and I see like parallels between those two companies. And they're like the only two that I can really think of that were like not known at all. And given these huge properties and they're like, Hey, we don't care what you do with it. And then it blows up and it's like the biggest thing ever. Right, yeah. I, I love that it was a small company, too, at first. Side note to that. Yeah. To that, Frank Zappa once said about the music industry, like, you always got these, like, really great things, great experimental albums and new innovations in music because all the executives were, like, old guys who didn't know what they were holding in their hand. But nowadays you have all these, like, hip, young executives who are calling the shots and kind of, like, manipulating the way that we see entertainment, so to speak. Um, forgot where I was going with that, but Frank Zappa's great. You should listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it All was right. to the ex- the to the credit of like being able to like take the reins on a project without having the corporate weight over you and and dictation and stuff like that. For sure, paid off. Oh, Oof. the relationship between art and money. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the music was composed by a guy named Ron Fish. He's an American musician and recording artist and this is some insane trivia bro uh he was the drummer for dick dale which is one of the most famous surf guitarists in the world like that whole surf surf rock from the 60s um look it up anyone yeah yeah the pulp pulp fiction yeah the pulp fiction intro is surf rock um, so he was part of that whole deal. That's, I thought that was insane. I, I couldn't believe that. Cool. So he was one of the four composers to contribute songs to the soundtrack of the game God of War. And then I think that he was the sole composer for uh, the first two games. Um, 
So yeah. The next one, the follow-up, the follow-up was, of course, Batman Arkham City in 2011. Just like the Nolan trilogy, the second one here is generally considered the best in the series by most fans. I personally happen to agree. Um, not that I dislike the others, but there was something special about this one. This whole idea of Arkham City, I mean, was that really based on any particular comic, Ben, that you can think of? Uh, not really. I think that was their way of keeping the Arkham name while still allowing you to do what I think everybody wanted to do in Arkham Asylum, which was go to Gotham. I remember being on like, I'm like on the shores or something of Arkham Asylum and I tried to grapple all the way across yeah, to get yeah. to, to the yeah. Wayne Tower and yeah. it just never worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The voice actors here this time around once again, Kevin Conroy's Batman, Mark Hamill as the Joker, Kimberly Brooks once again as Barbara Gordon, Oracle, MPT Officer, and Bishop, Martin Jarvis as Alfred Pennyworth, Danny Jacobs once again as Victor Zaz, Tyra Strong this time as Harley Quinn, that is different. First, How? And uh, anybody else real quick, Ben? Arlene had uh, retired uh, the Harley voice, her last performance was in Arkham Asylum, and Tara Strong is now the, the go-to for Harley Quinn ever since Arkham City, and she had done a few voices of Harley beforehand, uh, but this was kind of the, the official passing of the torch was in between Arkham games. Uh, let's see, so we also had, I completely forgot when you first mentioned in Arkham Asylum, but uh, the Riddler, Wally Wingert, oh, yeah. uh, is, the, is uh, the Riddler in all of the games, and he was also the voice of the Riddler in the 1966 animated movies that we reviewed uh, voicing the Frank Gorshin version of the Riddler. So he's voiced two different versions of Riddler across the video games and movies and different media. Uh, and then we also had um, Corey Burton, that's his name, Corey Burton as Dr. Hugo, Hugo Strange, kind of doing nice. what sounds like a Christopher Lee impression. Uh, while he's doing yeah. it, but it's it worked, and that kind of influenced the. Uh, it wasn't the first time that that was done. The first time it was actually done by Frank Gorshin, it, when he was Hugo Strange in the Batman animated show. But Corey Burton, I think, made it even more popular because the video game, of course, is, has been played by more people than the people who had who have watched the animated series from two thousand four. That is true. There's a whole generation of kids where this is their first Batman. Yeah. Okay, so Batman, thank you for that tutelage, Ben. Um, (laughs) Batman Arkham City is set one year after the events of Arkham Asylum. It features a bigger cast, and once again, written by Paul Dini, along with uh, a guy named Paul Crocker, and it seems like Sefton Hill, the lead programmer, also probably had some say in the story as well. Um, Batman in this game is incarcerated in Arkham City. Uh, It's a massive new super prison enclosing the decaying urban slums of Gotham City. He must uncover the secret behind the sinister scheme, Protocol 10, orchestrated by the facility's warden, Hugo Strange. Meanwhile, Uh, uh, the Joker uh, uh, uh. is doing, is dying due to the unstable properties of the Titan formula in his blood. After he injects Batman with his blood, Batman must work to find a cure. Mark Hamill reprises his role again as the Joker from the previous game. Uh, stated that Arkham City would be his he stated that Arkham City would be his last performance as the Joker at that time oh really (laughs) we all know how that turned out 
Never say never, baby. Alan Tedick is Joker to some success on the Harley show, yeah. I like his Joker. Yeah, he's dude. It's not bad. Yeah. Fuck you. Mark Hamill can't do the Joker every time. Um, so, <laughs> um, so this Paul Crocker guy had an interview with uh, denofgeek.com, and uh, he said... I used to work in a comic store and I used to work in a cinema. I love lots of nerdy things, so four years ago it was awesome when we got Batman. I remember back when the first Batman movie came out, I used to go and watch the trailer over and over again because I used to work in cinema. I used to work in They Walk Among Us in Richmond. What I didn't know about at the time was that it was amazing research for making video games about Batman because you get to understand the popular opinion of what the character is as opposed to what your own opinion of what the character is. So we try to absorb all these different opinions and get to the halfway point. He also had this to say about the Penguin. The Arkham Penguin was the first to be British, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Nolan North, who is not British, (laughs) is uh, putting on a very Cockney accent as the Penguin in this. So Paul Crocker had this to say. He's great for us because he's our Penguin, I guess, from our point of view. He's the first character where we said to DC, in this game we wanted to do our own take on it and it's going to scare you. And they said, well, what is it? And we explained and they went, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> because <laughs> Yeah, <when> that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> because we started doing anything for the game. We were very aware of the history of the characters and what they are and what they mean. We want to look at the penguin and say, that's penguin. He is penguin, but he doesn't look like any other penguin that's ever existed. He doesn't sound like any other penguin, and that's great for us. Jolly good, Wolfatavius Maximus. (laughs) (laughs) That's my penguin laugh. I think they said that instead of the monocle, it's like a broken piece of bottle that's stuck in his eye. What? I don't oh, even shit. remember this. I don't remember yeah, that either. That's, that's looking yeah. him up. I didn't even put it together that they were a British company, but like I always like <laughs> thought of it in terms of like uh, Guy Ritchie films, right? And like the gangsters from that. Yeah. He's like Rain yeah. Windstone yeah. as the Penguin. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like they're yeah, making that right. kind of connection. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's true. I, I remember now. Yeah, he is more of a like uh, what was that guy Bullet Tooth Tony or some shit. He was a, he's that like new age Cockney gangster. What's that great Ben Kingsley movie? Fucking sexy, sexy beast. beast. Yeah, I've never yeah. saw that actually. I love that shit. That's it. They just recently put out the gentleman, and it's just like hilarious because like all those films are always like just dropping the word cunt like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they say hello in the UK. Hello, <laughs> cunt. Hey, ben- God, it rolls off the tongue, really. Um, <laughs> ben, did you enjoy this Cockney Penguin? Uh, I mean, it, it was something that I think was in the the zeitgeist of Batman fans at the time, and I think one of the reasons why was uh, around 2006 or 2007 or so, there were rumors of who was going to be in the Batman Begins sequel apart from the uh, the Joker, obviously, and, and Harvey Dent. They're like, maybe there'll be more villains. And one of them was rumored to be a, quote-unquote, a British arms dealer that everyone assumed oh, was going shit. to be uh, the <laughs> Penguin. And everybody sort of had the idea of, like, well, like what if Nolan reimagined him as some, like, British dude who was all, like, you know, all proper yeah. and stuff like that. And it never came to fruition, but I 
I wonder if the people behind the scenes were influenced by that and were thinking like, oh, like they didn't actually put this in the movie, but we can do it. We can fucking do it right now. And then they just yeah. put it in. And uh, it makes sense because of, like the proper, like there's always an element of Penguin where he's like trying to be the gentleman's gentleman, even though deep down he's a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. But there's always mm-hmm. something something proper about him and, and stuff like that. And the fact that he Posturing. is kind of, yeah, he's kind of a reimagined as this Brit gangster it makes sense. Um, I'm not really sure if I have a preference either way uh, on it. I guess I kind of like the the Cobblepot connection to the Wayne sometimes. If they were also from rich Gotham families, yeah, rich Gotham families, like in the the Batman animated show or in um, the Telltale game. But uh, this one's still good. I like. I like the. Um, I like the design of it. I like the voice uh, of it, and I think that it, it sort of said like, "Hey, like, don't think of Penguin anymore as just the funny guy in the top hat, but also don't think of him as purely the Danny DeVito mutant either." This is something that's kind of in between, and I think that's what I appreciated. Ray Winstone would have been great. Well, you, ben one time explained to me that he's the ultimate Gotham gangster, the Falcons and Maronis or whoever. Like all the Gotham gangs fear the Penguin the most, right? Yeah, I mean, it's also, I've, I've kind of brought up to Andrew in a previous episode how the Penguin can be portrayed as, like, Bruce Wayne gone bad. You know, they're both people who go off of flying flying mammal That's motifs. They're both people who use right. gadgets uh, in their sense, and in many versions, they both come from rich families. It's just that, obviously, one took a very different path from the other and I think the Telltale games really emphasize that and that's what I appreciate mm-hmm. about their take that's on so it that's so interesting we'll, actually we'll cover that too yeah Sorry. we'll cover that too when we get to the Telltale but it is uh, a really cool element to it and I think that makes him a bit more of a personal villain that I, I appreciate interpretations like that more than I appreciate say the ones that are just like you know the one, the version in Gotham is cool I like Robin Lord Taylor's performance but they never really had much of a connection to Bruce Wayne and I do prefer right. it when there is a connection between the villain and Batman in some way they don't all have to have some sort of revenge against him or they can't all they don't all have to be like oh we used to be friends Bruce like with Harvey Dent and stuff but it, something like that I always appreciate alright cool uh, back to the game mostly similar gameplay to the first one but this one of course was open world this is the first open-world Gotham that we had ever seen, I believe. And um, with these graphics at the time, we were still PS3 at this time, but it's still so good. And personally, more often than not, although I am opening up to it more and more lately, i never traditionally like been a huge fan of open-world games as much. But man, being Batman in Gotham, in an open-world Gotham, or... Arkham City or whatever. Yeah. I loved it. That's a that's a holy grail experience. It's a holy grail. I mean, God, it was just so good. Something so great about being Batman and, and jumping from rooftop to rooftop, you know, hang gliding with your cape or whatever. Uh, Wolfie, you're generally an open world guy anyway, right? I love it. I love the freedom to explore and the ability to be creative in your gameplay. I love games like this. Um, and yeah, being Batman in Gotham and Arkham City, even though it was like just like a more, little bit more expanded kind of version of it, it, it captured that that feeling of just actually being out there. And I think I think there was like Ace Chemicals or some shit that was in those slums or something familiar, you know, I forget. But be the bat. DL, you generally uh, an open world guy or do you like to think like things to be a little bit more linear? 
Um, I, I mean, I'm a gamer, but uh, really, um, mostly I play first-person shooters. So I'm playing, Ooh. you know, Tom Clancy Rainbow Six, uh, Tom Clancy mm-hmm. Breakpoint, um, you know, stuff like that, and then periodically. You know, I'd pick up different games like this, um, but never really a big open world um, fan. And even even this, I don't think it, it's the same as other open world games. Like it's I can't really more closed off. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of sandbox yes. emphasis yeah. upon. Absolutely, Batman. Ben, <laughs> thoughts real quick on this open world versus linear. Yeah. Oh, open world versus linear, or just Arkham City in general. I I think I I was thinking maybe you would might, might be more of a linear guy just because it lends itself more to just a straight on story. Yeah, I mean I'm a, I'm more of a, I guess I would be uh, in that sense. So yeah, I guess I guess so. Uh, I I think it does get a little too just it did get very annoying as itself in Arkham Asylum for the Riddler trophies. I can only imagine how annoying it was in the other games. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a Riddler trophy guy. I don't want to do that stuff. Yeah, I, that's the one thing I did not bother doing. That's just busy work. And I could get it. That was fine. I'm just yeah. like, fuck you, Enigma. Just fuck you. But I did like, well, in the first, and the first thing that was really difficult, right, is like, okay, now you have this open world and like the glide challenges. Like when you first started oh, yeah. learning how to do the glides, like that was really tough. Um, and then the other thing that was like fantastic was I liked being able to go around and you start the little side missions where you had to do like all the like different clues and use all the different gadgets and like figure out the, the, the puzzle and then like track down like whoever, you know, the villain was for this like murder or whatever. Um, and I thought that was really fantastic. Um, and the only thing that, um, I think the only thing was eventually like I played it so much, like you start to like go, I want outside of here and I want to stop criminals from attacking like everyday people. Like you want to see like a regular city populated and you're stopping like crimes versus gangsters fighting gangsters. Um, And that was like after spending like a lot of time with the game, right? Like, Oh, I'm ready for the next thing now. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally. All right. Um, at the beginning of this game, there's a painting called Cain and Abel, The Duality of Man. It's in the background somewhere. I forget where exactly. And I searched for it, but I can't find the painter's name. So please uh, email us at superhousepodcast at gmail.com for, <laughs> for that information. But uh, it's a biblical painting, of course. It shows, um, man, I feel bad, but it's Cain, no, the murder of Cain. So it's Abel carrying Cain, I think. Anyway, it's a guy carrying a dead guy. So um, this foreshadows the ending of the game where Batman carries Joker's dead body out of Arkham Mm -hmm. City. Spoilers, but, you know, it's fucking, what, nine years old at this point. Um, (laughs) So that was pretty cool. Um, It's also been said that John Carpenter's Escape from New York, the 1981 movie, was one of the inspirations for the story for the game. Um, cool. Interestingly enough, one of the many rejected scripts for the remake of the film from 2010 uh, was inspired by and was very much like Batman Arkham City. <laughs> nice. It is heavily implied at one point in the game that Harley Quinn is 
pregnant once again, is or was pregnant. <laughs> They're obsessed with this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they really love it. <laughs> let it go, let it go. <laughs> Suggested by examining Harley's costume on a dummy and panning down to the floor at the dummy's feet is a box reading Fruitful Endeavors Pregnancy Test. Lying beside it is a positive test. Okay. <laughs> as long as uh, Batman wasn't using the black light to find semen. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's de- probably most mode. of what he does. On a shitty day, <laughs> that's probably most of what Batman is about. Like, it's another uh, kind of weird situation we have here. There's I can't let Joker's seed be spreading, Robin. It's DNA forensics, okay? He carves a fucking cum shot out of the wall. And repieces the fucking fingerprint together. <laughs> Ejaculated all over the place. We'd have a good chance of finding him. <laughs> Man, maybe Harley Quinn's gonna cover that. That's fucking funny. Anyway, Harley Quinn was the key to the capturing the Joker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but how, Batman? I'll explain when you're older, Robin. There's semen everywhere. At one point, Batman overhears thugs talking about. A rumor that they heard that Harley Quinn used to be a man. This is actually an inside joke. Harley Quinn was motion captured by a man, <laughs> and they oh, even okay. released. Video I feel of very this weird now. In a fake reveal trailer at the time. That's all very complicated, and I didn't understand a word that you said. Well, we're moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> like we discussed earlier, this is the first uh, project with Tara Strong. Before this, predominantly voiced by Paul Dini's friend, Arlene Sorkin, like we've talked before. During the Catwoman DLC mission to get her loot back from Two-Face, Two-Face says, whoever kills the cat gets to be my number one guy. In a manner very similar to Jack Nicholson's <laughs> Joker, when he says that to Bob the Goon. Well, he, he's quoting Jack Palance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick up the gun. Um, the Detective Vision was redeveloped for this game, so you couldn't overuse it. This is one of the main uh, things that uh, the criticisms for the first one. They had an original initial idea to have a time limit for a detective mode, but they considered that wouldn't be something Batman would make, <laughs> so they designed it to be difficult to use in certain situations. However, they did have a time limit added to it for <laughs> for the fourth one, Arkham Knight. Don't know why they made that decision, but that's what happened. When you're using detective mode while fighting the Joker in one scene, you use x-ray mode and it shows that the Joker has no bones. This actually foreshadows that it's actually Clayface. Joker has no bones. He's just Zoidbergen his way through life. It's really good attention to detail. Yeah, very good. So, um, personal experience with this second one, Arkham City already said, I think it's my my favorite out of the whole series. Um, that ending where Batman says, after all you've done, I still would have saved you. Man, talk about one of the best yeah. emotional endings out of any fucking video game, let alone Batman game. I've ever fucking played so good memorable to this day I've forgotten a lot of things about the other games until I did this research but you know man that ending really sticks in my mind so Mm -hmm. uh, let's go with uh, uh, Ben on this one real quick especially after Joker just killed Talia it's a real testament to the character to bring that up to still enforce the no kill rule even though in a video game especially especially one where he's breaking bones all over the place. He's refusing to kill thugs, but man, is he really fucking them up throughout this entire <laughs> this entire series. <laughs> but he, there's no point where you actually do deli- seem like you've crossed that line completely. And I appreciate that because I think it's it's been crossed so many times in uh, like Elseworlds or different movies that it, it's just 
it doesn't seem very shocking or dramatic anymore when they they have him cross the line. If anything, it seems more dramatic when he is enforcing it to such a high level that it right. creates that sort of type of emotional scene, like it did in the end of Arkham City. All right, uh, Wolfie. Yes, I love Arkham City. Let me tell you, that's a great game. Um, what else can you say? <laughs> Uh, it you know just like expanded upon how like because Arkham was very much like a dungeon crawler in a lot of ways, and Arkham took you out of the dungeon, um, and expanded you know ever so much that it could on the dynamics of being Batman in this way, which was good. And you know like I like the sandbox shit, so I don't know. It was a good stepping stone. And actually, I, I didn't. I I should probably finish Arkham Knight, but I didn't ultimately enjoy the experience of that. But I think where it pushed forward into that next gen is also something to shake a stick about. Yeah, it kind of felt like this was really what they wanted to do with the first game, but they just yeah. didn't have they didn't have the the manpower at all for for that kind of thing, you know? So, um yeah, I think they really like accomplished their main dream, their main goal with this one. Um DL, what was your thoughts on Arkham City? Yeah, like I'm going to piggyback off that cuz like, you know, when I'm thinking of like my experience with it, and he 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 mentions dungeon, right? Like the first one felt so contained, and then like you get to the second one, and um, you know, I mentioned the first one is like there's this achievement for like the fifty hit chain combo, but the second one was like glide for three miles, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like um, like that was an achievement, right? So being able to like you know get up on the highest building and just like nose dive. And then like pop up and then just do like a glide like all the way across the map. Um, and it was just like so like fulfilling um, to be able to be you know part of that. And then, you know, if you get into a tough situation, just run and jump off a building and then glide to the next building and then, you know, come back. And um, so, yeah, it just really like opened it up so much and, and you end up feeling more like Batman, you know. Um, Because I think the first one, like, you could glide, like, in predator modes and swing back and forth to um, the gargoyles or whatever you're perched up on. And that was, like, the extent of it. Um, And this one, like, you're, you know, jumping off skyscrapers and nose diving down and then pulling back up. And uh, so, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Pretty much agree. All right. So the music, once again, was uh, Ron Fish. This wine is starting to kick in. Boda Box, what a lifesaver. So, the next game. Three leaders. The, the third game to come out was, of course, Batman Arkham Origins in 2013. Maybe for some, the third time is not the charm, <laughs> but uh, we'll get into it. Um, this is the first game in the series made, not made by Rocksteady. The reason for this is, as far as I can tell anyway, it's similar to what Call of Duty does, where... In order to keep pumping out a popular series, they'll, they'll change a company year to year, or uh, two years this company, two years that company. All the while, they're working on the other game too, but 
you just it takes a long time to make these games, so they have to um, lend it off to somebody else um, just to keep keep them coming. So, so that's what happened here. This one was made by W Games Montreal, which is why you saw so many French names in the credits for this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this was the first game in the series that does not feature the vocal talents of Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Um, the game was written by Corey May and Duma. Wensha, uh, and they wrote mm-hmm. uh, Assassin's Creed and Prince of Persia. Um, maybe the first ones in those. I don't know which ones exactly. Those Prince of Persia games were really good. Uh, were the they? first two were the first two were really good. They led to like the mechanics of uh, Assassin's Creed. The third one a little bit divisive. Okay, really good though. This is the first game in the series that also had multiplayer, and that content was developed specifically by a company called Splash Damage. So it's a totally different company making that mode, which is interesting. Personally, I like this game quite a bit. We'll go more into uh, personal experience um, a little bit later, but uh, real quick, I mean... Oh, you didn't even play it, Wolfie, huh? No, I didn't play it, but I've I've seen a lot of reviews of it, and I really appreciated how the art style was a little bit different. That's one of the things with the Arkham games in themselves that really was a turnoff for me was the style with which they were presented. I liked Arkham Origin; it was a little bit more dialed back. Okay, and DL, your general real quick thoughts on Arkham Origins? I mean, I, I thought it was great. Um, I know <laughs> there was some negativity around it, and I remember loving the game. Now, it, it doesn't, like, stick out in my mind, so maybe that's a drawback. Um, but I remember, like, it was solid, and I had fun playing it, man. So, like, I, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. Yeah, for me, it's like it's it's Batman with batarangs and predator modes and punching bad guys and fighting villains. Like, it's fucking ticks all the boxes for me, so I fucking loved it. Um, cool to see kind of like a prequel. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really get it personally, but whatever. And uh, Ben? I think one of the best detective scenes in general for Batman is when he's solving the murder. Yeah. And he connects it to uh, it's when it has to deal with Black Mask's girlfriend. And then he's like, I connected it to Joker. And then he's like, he doesn't know who the Joker is. And there's something chilling about that. I always like those types of stories. Where in the beginning, it's just like that line in The Dark Knight where Batman's like, you know, one man or the mob. Like, let's concentrate on the mob. Let's not worry about this guy who's robbing banks because he has no idea what he's up against. Right. And um, I think that that was really well done. And uh, it's, I, I think the negativity around it is bunch of bullshit it sounds like because I think it's mainly because there was a bunch of like I think it's probably because of you know they changed companies and oh it's not Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill therefore it sucks which I think is always like look I love Conroy and Hamill too but it does get to a level where I'm like I'm down for other voices I'm down for other shit like it doesn't always have to be Conroy and Hamill give them a break for fuck's sake so yeah exactly in this sense I think Roger Craig Smith uh, was a good substitute, and I think Troy Baker is amazing, considering the fact that uh, he was also uh, Two Face in Arkham City. I think he's also Robin uh, in that, as well as the future Arkham Knight. And he is Lego Batman in the Lego Batman video games and the Telltale Batman. So he does everything. Damn. <laughs> so the fact he could even do, yeah, the fact he can even do a Mark Hamill voice. Mark Hamill-like voice and sound like he could be a young uh, version of the Arkham Joker is great, and I and um, 
I think some of the criticism was like, oh, like they brought in Joker again. I'm just like, look at the games. Like this whole series is about Batman and the Joker. Exactly. Like that's the main relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like Batman's whole relationship is just the Joker. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> his main one, his main squeeze. He's Zeus, Joker's Loki. I mean, come on. Is is the video game really going to be that interesting with Batman versus Black Mask? Like, come on. <laughs> I think... If we're going down that route, I think that um, fucking what's his face, half ninja, half face, Deathstroke, is <laughs> Deathstroke, yeah, the, is yeah. I think he's next in line to take over as kind of like a mainstay Batman villain. Just saying. Well, he he's Film-wise. in the game, right? Like Deathstroke's yeah, in this one. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Joe Manganiello <laughs> was going to be such a good. Deathstroke, and that was like a trajectory to be like, you know, because honestly, for films, they need more Batman villains that make sense on screen. Just saying. Well, and and because they kind of blend together, so I don't remember which one like Deathstroke popped up in first, but I remember the fight right. scene just being like amazing um, with Deathstroke, and and I thought it was Origins. I thought it was that game. I think it's Origins. I think Tim, yeah, because that's the one that Tim Miller directed the uh, the promo where it was Batman versus Deathstroke. Because there was like mm-hmm. the the laser sights periodically are popping up on you, and then eventually like you get to him, and then there's like a quick time action thing, and then you have like the fight. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. This game was of course not directed by Sefton Hill because it was directed by Benoit Richet. Nice, <laughs> Mont- Montreal, everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise known as Le Batman. <laughs> I couldn't find a whole lot on on Mr. on Monsieur Richet, but uh, his Twitter profile says that he is quote a passionate dad, game director, gamer, runner, and ultimate frisbee player. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the first game he directed. He was um, like a level designer or something before that, uh, and he has gone on since this to direct a game, a VR game called Transference. Like like Ben said earlier, the voice actors are Reg, Roger Craig Smith as Batman, Troy Baker as the Joker, J.B. Blank Blanc as Bat Bane, yes, Martin Jarvis as Alfred, Nolan North as the Penguin, Tara Strong as Harley Quinn, Michael Goh voice of Jim Gordon is not to be confused with the late Michael Goh who played Alfred in the Burton yeah. Schumacher films. <laughs> to be a very talented ninety year old if he could do that. Exactly. Oh, as well as CCH Pounder, Amanda Waller. Of course, uh, playing yeah. Amanda Waller and Robert Costanzo is back as Harvey Bullock. Costanza. So, yeah, he's, his last name is Costanza. Yeah. George, it's the summer of George. Anybody else I'm missing that should be mentioned real quick? Of course, there's more than this, but uh, just trying to get the the major players listed here. Uh, Wally Winger returns again as Enigma, who becomes the Riddler, obviously. Uh, and then Kelly Hugh as uh, Lady Shiva. I don't remember who Deathstroke was off the top of my head. Uh, I don't remember either. Please send us an email. Complain to us. Alright, so... Um. <laughs> the actor's listening to this and he's like, fuck this! Deathstroke Arkham Origins. It does have the best uh, commercial, because this is the one that had the commercial that does the little flashes of Batman's origin from the uh, the shot of his parents getting killed to him at the funeral to him getting bullied to him training and all leading up to him get, you know fighting off uh, fighting off Bane I think Ben I believe you mean Deadpool one director Tim Miller of course yeah yes uh, I don't know if he did that one he directed that one I believe 
I thought he directed the Deathstroke one. Oh, he directed one of those, I'm sure. He di- I think he directed the Deathstroke one. Deathstroke was uh, Mark Rolston. Mark Rolston was um, Deathstroke, it looks like, the voice okay. actor. Okay. The plot of Arkham Origins. It's a prequel set five years before the events of Arkham Asylum. Story follows a younger, less refined Batman who has a bounty placed on his head by Black Mask, drawing eight of the world's deadliest assassins to Gotham City on Christmas Eve, while he also encounters the Joker for the first time. In this version of Gotham, the Penguin owns a large ship called The Final Offer. The backstory of the vessel reveals it was originally called the Olivia B. Meredith. This, of course, is an homage to the actor Burgess Meredith. Batman was originally going to occasionally trip and miss targets because he is green in this one. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. But the developers thought that uh, even though that would showcase his inexperience, it might not be the best idea. So they might make him look a little bit like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If only they had took that advice with Flash in the Justice League movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> his only job is to run and he trips all he the time he always trips oh yeah <laughs> the eight assassins selected for the game were chosen for their abilities which would challenge the game's mechanics the boss fights were inspired by Arkham City's battle against Mr. Freeze which tasked players with exploring the full range of Batman's strategies and abilities to overcome the villain Copperhead's character required three motion capture actors to animate a stunt woman, a Cirque du Soleil performer, and a martial artist. The game's version of the character Copperhead was female instead of the male version from the comics. It also got input from Jeff Johns himself. The version of the character is also planned to appear in the comics as the new Copperhead. So I guess this has already happened? Copperhead's now female in the comics? It might have. She was also female in Gotham in season one. uh, A female version of Copperhead went after Bruce and Selina. Okay. Why not? Okay, <laughs> so <Yeah>. <laughs> early concept art for this game shows that the GCPD were planning to have martial artist enemy types. An E3 demo showed some of the martial artists working for Anarchy, but I think that was scrapped somewhere along the way. There's a side mission where you help Captain Gordon capture prisoners. One of the prisoners has the same mugshot number as O.J. Simpson when he was first arrested. <laughs> arrested. What? <laughs> yeah. He did it, guys. Guys, he did it. <laughs> the, d- the dude at the programmer at the water cooler like, hey, did you guys see this O.J. documentary the other night? There's in the, in the uh, Mr. Freeze DLC called Cold Cold Heart, Batman knocks Ferris Boyle unconscious, and then he says, take a seat, humanitarian. This is a reference to the episode of the Batman animated series Heart of Ice, which Cold Cold Heart is based on, where Batman says to Boyle at the end of the episode, Good night, humanitarian. I think that's uh, Maurice LaMarche doing Mr. Freeze, replacing Michael Ansara. Doing a very Michael Ansara-sounding Mr. Freeze, but Maurice LaMarche is very famous uh, for being the brain in Pinky and the Brain. Uh, oh, yeah, as well as that's doing right. Orson Welles, yeah. <laughs> That's right, yes. I, yeah. All right. Try to take over the world. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of Pinky and the Brain. Anyway, um... You're... <laughs> Mr. Freeze is coming for you. <laughs> Mr. Freeze coming for me. I like the voice actor, of course. Um, so, the third one, I actually liked it, like we said. Um, I don't know why people hated on this so much. Uh, for me, the best part... Did we talk about this at all? The, the Firefly part? 
That was really no, really not. That was I remember it being really hard chasing him down. <laughs> that was that was the most memorable part for me. That and the Mister Freeze DLC. I did get that DLC because Mister Freeze. It was fucking awesome. Uh, DL, what'd you think of Arkham Origins? Um, like I said before, like I, you know, I, I knew going into it that um, they, they it had some hate. Um, but I, like I said, it's ice cream and had all the nuts and bolts of the originals. It was great. Um, I kept wanting them to expand the game because everything was just like so good and so loaded with all these Batman references. And and the only thing it fell short for me on was they finally introduced Robin and yeah. you could play him. But like literally he was like a carbon copy of like Batman and it was just a different skin. And it's not uh. until like the next game where everybody is individualized. Um, right. so I was like finally excited. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get to play Robin, but it's just like it, it's just Batman with a Robin skin. So that was the only thing that kind of like fell short for me on that one. Yeah. Other than that, I thought it was fantastic. All right, uh, Wolfie. Yeah, I still actually really got to play it. I've watched a lot of videos about it because honestly, I didn't know this game existed throughout the course of the other the other Arkham games. I I came late to the idea that this even was released. So I watched most of it on YouTube and people talking about it and like the divisiveness of this particular uh, entry. All right. And Ben, uh, you know, I'm always a sucker for origin stories or things that take place in the early days of uh, Batman's reign. So this has always had some interest to me uh, in terms of how they portray the original meeting between Joker and Batman. Um, shout out to composer Christopher Drake, who did the music for this. Yep. Um, as also he's a follower of ours on Instagram, so that's oh, another thing. Shit. And uh, but yeah, he had a great way of combining the Christmas setting because this is another Christmas Batman story. Um, and uh, he had Carol of the Bells kind of be a creepy version of Carol of the Bells, be the Joker theme, which I always thought was kind of cool in here. So uh, outside of that, let's not forget another DLC for this was Arkham Origins Initiation, which I brought up in our Batman training episode. Because it does show the training. I think it's the only glimpse of the training of the Arkhamverse Batman. Of him uh, training among the League of Assassins with Master Karigi. Who we also talked about in that Batman training episode. <laughs> and uh, also meeting Lady Shiva for the first time. And I think this is the only instance where Bruce meets Lady Shiva before he becomes Batman. She did help him with his training when he was getting back on his feet. And to defeat John Paul Valley in uh, the Nightfall storyline. But uh, in this version, I guess they were uh, rivals or at least fought a little bit together before he took on the mantle. So that's something that I thought was really cool. Doing a video game of Bruce Wayne's training, I think, is a cool idea. It's only a small DLC, and I, I don't know how long it is, but I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that long of a thing. But that's it cool. was always a cool idea. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't think I got that particular one, but that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. All right, so as you said, uh, Christopher Drake, friend of, well, at least our Instagram, um, <laughs> um, did the music <laughs> this time around because, like we said before, this was not rock steady for this one. Um, Drake, uh, did he scored the animated films Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. He did Justice League, Crisis on Two Earths, Under the Red Hood, everybody, All-Star Superman, Green, Green Lantern, Emerald Knights. Um, there's a whole lot more here I could go in. He did The Dark Knight Returns. Justice League mm-hmm. Doom, that one's fucking awesome. Also did the score for Yoga Hosers, Kevin Smith's film. Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Fantastic score. <laughs> he did the score for fucking um, 
the animated Hellboy Science of Evil, and Injustice 1. I don't know if he did the second one, but in the Injustice score is fucking awesome, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. So I think he at least did the main theme for these, if not the, the score for the whole thing. I think he at least contributed the theme song to it. Right, yeah. So he's definitely um, no slouch. Yeah, and he changes each... He doesn't use the same Batman theme each time. He changes it up. So he's arguably written more Batman themes than any other composer out there. everybody the last one Arkham Knight 2015 this is a sequel set one year after the events of Arkham City uh, this one we're back to Rocksteady again it was it's to this date it is the only Arkham game released on this generation of systems which is PlayStation 4 and Xbox one at the time of this recording it was also released on Windows June 23rd, 2015. I actually didn't even think about that, but yeah, this is the only Arkham game for this whole generation. So... Oh, damn. Yeah, it is. It takes so long to make them, to, to perfect them. Um, so, in this game, Batman is at the peak of physical human perfection. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't before? This was the fir- In this game, this was their intention to have Batman at his absolute peak. Okay. From the waist down. Yeah. <laughs> hey Got a lot of Catwoman action. This was the first time wow. you could drive the Batmobile in the Arkham games. Let's talk about it, DL. Oh, man, it was horrible. Um, like, I, I, I don't think it would have been so bad if it wasn't, like, required all the time. There were all the, like, the puzzles that you had to complete where the Batmobile... Like, you couldn't complete the puzzle without it, and it was just, like, torture. Um, to Like, like it, it just got to the point where I'd rather glide all the way across Gotham on my own than drive that Batmobile. It was terrible. Like, it was just not done well at all. <laughs> Wolfie? Agreed. Yeah, the Batmobile in this game at first was like, okay, this is kind of fun, but it's just like a total tank. Uh, it's just too much it's too much. The whole thing is just too much. The Batmobile in there and they could have done it in a better way. Had it been an actual like open world game rather than still a sandbox kind of game, it would have made more sense because you would have had places to go. Imagine if you had a grand theft auto mod, essentially that was Arkham and you had a Batmobile and that you'd be going places in this game. It was just kind of like a whole different arcade game in between the times you get to be Batman. Shit sucked. Ben, I didn't remember that much from the Batmobile stuff because I played a little bit of it when I was at a friend's place. And uh, I think if I wanted to drive the Batmobile, just do it at the fucking arcade. There's a great arcade game where you can be the in the Batmobile for a while and you're actually in a driver's seat and Ooh. everything. You feel like you're driving the thing. I can imagine it gets tiring just doing it from the controllers when you're at home and just wondering when the hell you're going to get out of the Batmobile. Okay. Guys, I'm not trying to be a contrarian, I swear to God, but I just <laughs> don't see the hate. 
I fucking loved the ever living shit out of that Batmobile. I don't like the tank. I don't. I, everybody knows I like a more sleek Batmobile. But design wise uh-huh. aside, I had absolutely no problem whatsoever with the gameplay mechanics of this Batmobile. I'm sorry. I, mean, I do not. I do not get hook. the hate. I had no problem with that at all, and I think part of that is I've never played Grand Theft Auto. Maybe I don't have enough open world game experience, but it's just I'm again. It's the it's like you said, it's ice cream. It's the Batmobile in Gotham. Like it's it was fucking awesome. Like I had absolutely no problem with it at all. Like, let me shoot the grappling hook and then grab my engine and back up and pull this door up and then hop out and go do the. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Even though though you explained that, I still don't have a problem with that. (laughs) I don't don't know. I just. Andrew's like, that's the most efficient way to take down the door. I don't know what your problem is. I often find myself so at odds with my own fandom at times. Really? Okay, anyway. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> it was just it's just one of those things. Anyway, Arkham Knight was the first Batman game to get a rated M for mature. Rating? It was too sexy. Too sexy for the children. Scarecrow being the main villain and all that. If you played it, you know what I'm talking about. We'll get into that a little bit later. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, right? Uh, I believe both came back for this Yeah, Mark one. Hamill's like, surprise! I'm actually back. Yeah, you guys weren't buying the whole retirement thing at all. <laughs> he wanted more money. This isn't going to go the way that you think. <laughs> Arkham Knights. The, the the main story follows Scarecrow, the Arkham Knight, Deathstroke. Uh, they've all made an alliance on Halloween night to drown Gotham in fear toxin and unmask Batman. Voice actors, like we said before, Kevin Conroy as Batman, John Noble as Scarecrow, who seems to be doing a really cool Vincent Price impersonation, if you ask me. Mark Hamill as yeah, the Joker. Yeah, they, they definitely upped the, the Scarecrow on this one in terms of yeah. voice acting. I was like, Jesus. I loved his I loved his impersonation or whatever, yeah. his voice. Um, Troy Baker as Arkham Knight slash Jason Todd slash Red Hood slash Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. He was the worst. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to agree with Wolfie on this one. I, I think the Arkham Knight story, I guess because I'd already seen Under the Red Hood, I knew about that whole storyline. I know a lot of Batman fans. Um, they don't read the comics, and they don't know anything about it, and they've never seen <laughs> Under the Red Hood, so that was all new to them. I get it from a marketing standpoint. I, I know what Rocksteady is doing, but it's just that whole... Uh, fuck Arkham Knight. I don't care about him as a character. <laughs> For me, it's all about it's all about Scarecrow. Scarecrow's all the fucking yeah, way. Yeah, Scarecrow's the OG. Like he's an actual Batman villain. Arkham Knight is just yeah. like a repurposed version of Red Hood. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. was obviously the weakest link to this whole thing. He was such like a frat boy kind of two dimensional character as well. I was just like, get just slap this guy silly and get me some Deathstroke up in here. That would have been a perfect villain. To encompass alongside Scarecrow or whatever throughout this game, but you only get to see tidbits and side missions. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I'll i agree with the haters on that one. Um, Jonathan Banks <laughs> from Breaking Bad is uh, James Gordon. Martin Jarvis, once again, is Alfred Pennyworth. Tara or Tara Strong is Harley Quinn. Any more Ben? Not on the top of my head. Those are, I think, the big ones. Sorry. No, I can't think of any. All right. So, uh, due to the Scarecrow's role in this game, it made it uh, a lot more 
uh, mature, and that's why I got the rated the uh, the M for mature rating. Um, there's a lot of intense and frightening scenes. Um, the outfits are a little bit more provocative, especially by Harley Quinn. There's even a fetish shop in Gotham. <laughs> oh yeah. In this game. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like cat feet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Batman's already kind of <laughs> got a fetish thing going on anyway. A lot of whips. Um, anyway, Ooh. so um, they implemented the fear takedown in this one. Um, it, it kind of reinforces the silent takedowns from the other ones a little bit more more of an emphasis on that than, than the uh, previous games. Um, Batman can sneak behind a small group of enemies and eliminate them in rapid succession. According to character designer Albert Filiu, a single character model, a single character model in Arkham Knight could contain the same amount of polygons used to render the entirety of Arkham Asylum, the first game. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, really? Holy yes. mother. Yes, they fucking really went all out on this one, uh, despite some criticisms. <laughs> Gotham City was redesigned for this one a bit. Well, the previous games had a little bit more ar- ar- uh, gothic ar- architecture, um, but this one had a little bit more believable and dense cityscape, adding more uh, elements like neon lights, billboard advertising, American-styled cars are in it, shops as well. Art director David Higo described the final design as, quote, feeling a bit out of time. You couldn't pinpoint whether it's 20 years ago. Now or in ten years' time, I do not know if that guy is British. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> in the DLC Matter of Family, a hidden room can be found between the Ferris wheel and the Great White. Inside the room, the player can find the DC villain Starro the Conqueror in a containment tube. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome! I did not know that. Anybody catch that while playing? No, no. Yeah, nobody did. All right, so <laughs> do you know Starro, Wolfie? He's like a big star, right? And they S- fought him starfish. like a giant society giant starfish. or some shit. Is like yeah, Justice Barry League, Leon, correct? The first yeah, exp- okay. first appearance. That was the first villain they went up against. They it's, were on it's, drugs. It's really cheesy, but excellent. You know, one of those <laughs> things. Excellently cheesy. Come on down to Domino's. <laughs> the game has. Uh, Lines that the characters say when you die, which I think is new to Arkham Knight, and it seems to have been kind of an influence from, again, the Metal Gear series. Um, one of the lines when you die is he says, look at, look at me while you die, Batman. Look at me. The last part is a nod <laughs> yeah. to, of course, Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, Wait, who says that? The Arkham Knight? Arkham Knight says that. Okay. Just trying try to have, you know, a kind of uh, creepy game over screen when you die. Gotcha. gotcha. That's when the character approaches you, right? And talks? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, right, yeah. It's like right as you're dying. Them, yeah, it's not black and it's, it's getting fuzzy. Not and they like such. coming in and out. Yeah, I thought that was in I thought that was in the other ones. Yeah, I thought that, I'm pretty sure that was in Arkham Asylum. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in the other ones too. You're wrong, Bush. <laughs> finally. <laughs> I'm finally there for the moment when you slip up, buddy. How does it feel? I'm the whiz. I'm the king. I remember Joker always doing it, coming up and talking. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. Well, Arkham Knight version of this one and this one was was look at me. So uh, in the game's true ending, 
there's a few endings, but I guess, you know, when mm-hmm. there's several endings, only one is going to be canon, generally speaking. And uh, in the canon ending for Arkham, can it, Calendar Man can be seen in the crowd. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't know where that crowd is exactly, but yeah, he's in there. The, the crowd outside come- Wayne Manor? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Maybe okay. you're right about that, yeah. And the Penguin's company front is called North Refrigeration. This is a nod to Nolan North, just to his name. That's it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Nice. Gray ghost posters can be seen throughout the game. I remember most specifically they are in, there's a gray ghost poster in in an elevator somewhere. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's awesome. One of the best episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Isn't there flying Grayson posters in this one too? I believe so, yes. Well, that'd be kind of outdated, considering we're already on to Tim Drake. Yeah, I thought they were. They're awesome. Timmy. Posters, too. I would definitely, I'd order a print of that shit. Anyway, um, Sefton Hill, the director, uh, stated on Reddit that they were originally going to include an interactive combat battle against the Rocksteady employees in the game's credits. Har har. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, just like a little extra thing during the credits, credit roll, that's it. Um, huh. But they, di- they didn't have enough time for it, and uh, it would have been what's known as a New Game Plus, which uh, it harkens back to the days of Chrono Trigger, I believe. It's just basically after you beat a game, you can play it again with some different features, So, but they had to remove that for time constraints. Each time the player got knocked down, the developer's names and roles in development were to appear during slow motion as Batman got up, I guess, or something? I don't know. But anyway, that was going to be the new Game Plus thing. You actually lost your, like, uh, radar, or, or not radar, but um, when you played it again, you didn't get the um, the counter notification. Like, you would get, like, the lightning bolts around your head. Um, oh, okay, you, yeah. Yeah, if you do it again, like, you didn't get those. Like, you had to, like, just be in tune with the rhythm and, like, figure out the counter on your own. Okay, that was the that was a new game plus. That was after you beat it. Yeah, new game plus. I think that was in all of them. It's like it would start over, and you would you would have all of your upgrades and everything intact that you got from that last game. But then they would make the difficulty a little bit harder. Oh, okay. Uh, let's go in the more in depth personal experience for this final one. I know a lot of people didn't like the Batmobile mechanic, like we said, but I really enjoyed it. Don't know what the problem was. You're stupid. That's the problem. Scarecrow's voice was a highlight for me. And uh, obviously he was better than Arkham Knight. And uh, other than that, I pretty much said my piece on that one. Anybody else got any final thoughts on this? Let's go DL. Yeah, actually, um, one thing I was really surprised when you said this came out in 2015, because I think like it's I have two Xboxes and it's still like downloaded on one and I played it maybe like six months ago. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. And um, the thing that uh, I really like this game, but what I liked most about it was this is finally the time where they introduced all the different characters and everybody was unique. And I spent more time with this one than any of the other games because of the fight challenges and, you know, playing Nightwing and playing Robin and Azrael and Batman and Catwoman and Batgirl and Harley Quinn. Like every single character was unique. 
Um, and I spent more time doing the fight challenges and mastering all the fight challenges and try to like beat all of them than I think I did the game, like playing the story mode. But um, to me, like that's what I was like sold on. It was one of those things where I would just go in there and like check out and just lose hours doing the fight challenges. So, you know, everything else maybe people are complaining about, but that that part of the game they like really like finally like mastered it. Uh, Wolfie. Uh, with Arkham Knight, I felt like, I felt like it started to get repetitive. I felt like I wasn't feeling like I was Batman so much anymore as like, this is the best we can do to make you feel like you're Batman still. And (laughs) you know, they had those like Riddler races and things and all these like little distractions that felt like cheap arcade games that really took away from, the the atmospheric gameplay of like the first two especially like the first one in that it felt like a dungeon or something i felt like arkham arkham knight was just like all over the place and it felt really repetitive and i think that's why i didn't finish it um i'm gonna give that one a a shit score four indeeds (laughs) jeez (laughs) that game sucked man (laughs) i don't get it it's mostly the same except where the Fine, Batmobile. Can make, I don't know. I, I'll, I will never get it. I'll never get it. Where they try, where they tried to make it like new and exciting, it was a distraction, and and where they left it just the same, it was too much of like repetition, and the story was really not as good as the first two. The only you know, thing that the my, Arkham Knight story wasn't great, but the p- gameplay against them I thought was fine. I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, Ben. All right. So uh, let's see. I always felt Bruce Wayne's face look really weird. Whenever I saw video clips of this, I was like, what the hell did they do? He looked okay in Arkham City, but for whatever reason, in this version, they fucked it up or something. I don't get it, but uh, that's 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 the thing that comes to the top of my head. The other thing that uh, I'd like to acknowledge, because we had Cole, uh, Cole Vallis, the first live-action actor to play Tommy Elliott, a.k.a. Hush, uh, in Gotham, but uh, the first actor to do the voice, or one of the first to do the voices of Hush, uh, was actually Kevin Conroy in Arkham City side mission as well as in Arkham Knight where there's he does the whole thing where he takes on Bruce Wayne's face which is from the Paul Dini arc of uh, Heart of Hush which funny enough like most people uh, associate Hush with the Paul Dini stuff with him taking on Bruce Wayne's identity they don't actually associate it with the actual Hush story which I always thought was kind of funny um let's see and then I know Arkham Knight Deacon Blackfire makes an appearance in it, which is interesting because that's deep cuts. He was the villain of the uh, storyline, the cult, which we will talk about a lot when we get to the upcoming Dark Knight Rises deep dive, because that was definitely, or it feels like it was definitely some sort of influence on the Dark Knight Rises. And if it wasn't, then it's a hell of a coincidence. There was also an Arkham VR game, which is admittedly not all that bad, although I didn't think it was that bad. Who knows what everybody else thinks? But uh, the only problem with that one is that it's super short. Not many people have played it because it's VR only. It lasts about like two hours, but it was also directed by Sefton Hill. And that one, of course, because it's VR, that's the, you really, you're literally, well, not literally, but you know, you're moving your VR controller around to throw batarangs and shit in the, in the Batcave. And of course, I, I mean, it's not as expansive as uh, Arkham City or, or whatever, but it's, it's a, it's cool. It's, there aren't very many Batman VR games anyway, so it's like, you know, take what you can get. I'm sure there'll be mm. a better one later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was fine. 
I uh, read an article where they uh, it was written by Gus Lewis, who played young Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins, and oh, he played uh, Arkham VR. And I think the title of the article was something along the lines of like, "What it was like to see my parents get killed again." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was kind of cool, and I was amazed at how much. He's obviously grown up since uh, Batman Begins, so it just shows how <laughs> how quickly time passes. Even though we're back to Rocksteady for this one, Ron Fish did not return. It seemed like there was a little bit of drama there. I don't know for certain, don't quote me on really? it, but it huh. seemed like he just wanted to have too much of his own spin on something, and they just wanted to kind of like keep it in the same line as the rest of the games. So I, I think that's the case. Ron Fish, please come to the podcast and spill all of the gossip and spit venom and whatever was going on. Yes, please, please do. Please give us all the dirt on that. So they replaced him with a guy named David Buckley. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's a British guy. He was a cathedral choir boy who performed for Peter Gabriel's score for uh, Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ. (laughs) That is interesting. The deep cut trivia up in that motherfucker. (laughs) Um, He has collaborated with Harry Gregson Williams. He did Shrek the third score, but also (laughs) Gone Baby Gone. Um, Really? And uh, additional music for Wonder Woman, Fifty Shades movies, Big Eyes, American Hustle, um, David O. Russell's Joy movie. Um, So, yeah, he's also no slouch himself. So that's it. We got to the end at the time of this recording. All we know is that they're making a game called Arkham Court of Owls. Only oh, thing we yeah. got that really we got oh, that, that confirmed. I knew they were making a is game. Is that a fish? Court of Owls. We yeah. got we got a logo and everything, but that is it. What? I'm sure they were going to announce something at E3. Um, they'll probably announce something in July when E3 was supposed to be. Yeah, Court of Owls is one of my personal favorite Batman stories. I and a lot of other fans were hoping that they'd branch out and do a Justice League kind of game or even a Superman game of some sorts. There were all kinds of rumors that they would do a Superman game, but uh, seemingly that's not going to happen. It'd be cool to at least have some DLC. That's another uh, whole other topic that we'll get into later for another episode. But uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that uh, the Arkham the Arkham series of games are not the most popular Batman games out there. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? They may be the most acclaimed Batman games of all time, but you know what's the most popular video- Batman video game of all time? The Lego Batman series. That was my guess. <laughs> <laughs> what? Kids, I got the numbers right? on this. Especially Lego Batman 3. The Arkham series has sold about 9.5 million copies, but the original Batman Lego Batman game sold 12.5 million. <laughs> Troy Baker's laughing his way to the bank. He's just yeah, like, I'm man. in both of them. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I think though, like the last one had a mature rating, and the other ones were, even though they didn't have mature ratings, it's still a, a much more adult level game. I mean, there's like. Sure, sure. 
I mean, everything that we've mentioned is like literally they have somebody on the payroll who's just digging through Batman comics going, let's plug this, let's plug this, let's plug this. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and the Lego games are just open to anybody like anybody can pick that up and, and play. Yeah, it's it. I wasn't too surprised. I was a little surprised. But then like a second after reading it, a second after being surprised, I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. You know, I would have been surprised if you said Batman from the original Nintendo. No, that is, I mean, the video games were a different deal altogether at that point. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be skipping over the Lego Batman series uh, in our video game coverage right now just for the sake of brevity, but uh, let us know if you want us to cover that as well. And that concludes our episode on the Arkham series and our second installment of our deep dive into the Batman video games. Ben will once again take the reins in our next and final installment in which he will regale us all about the Telltale series. Thank you. I'm on the last episode, baby. I'm ready (laughs) for this shit. uh, Of the first season or the second season, Wolfie? There's two seasons. I'm Uh, on the first season. Then you're not That's on the last good episode. to know. <laughs> um, shit. <laughs> All right, we'll finish up the first season, and then you'll find out what happens in the second season when we do the episode. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Will do. Uh, all right, so I, let's, um, I guess, have you plug your uh, your couple pages. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, um I have prints up there. I have commission guidelines. If you actually sign up for my mailing list um, from now until April 1st, you'll get a discount code for 20% off uh, your purchase. And then also I have my Patreon account, which is um, patreon.com slash DL Massey. And um, I have three different tiers, $3, $9, and you get like all access to behind the scenes uh progress picks you get to vote on what covers i do there's a print of the month club um, a lot of different you know benefits and content that uh people on instagram are not getting right now so uh check those out awesome all right i am uh ben juan Ryder on instagram as well as head the superhouse pod uh, podcast instagram account at superhouse pod uh as well as the twitter account also superhouse pod uh, shout out to our followers, one of them being, as mentioned in this episode, Christopher Drake, composer of Arkham Origins, as well as many DC animated films. His account is at Christopher underscore Drake. Uh, also thought I would take a chance to uh, take the chance to shout out to a few of the Instagram followers of ours who have been former guests. So that includes Chuck Patton Art, uh, Rob Freitas at uh, Freight Train Mold Maker, um, also, big thank you to fan samg.mov, who sent us some very kind words for our Instagram posts, saying that he had learned so much about Batman from just looking at our Instagram posts. So please keep following <laughs> and reading, Sam G. Uh, let's see. Also to uh, Brett underscore Taylor, the actress who played uh, Martha Wayne in Gotham, who's a uh, follower of ours, as well as Bat Force Tom, a fellow Batman podcaster. And uh, you might be hearing from him sometime soon as well. Mm, anyway. Could be. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, over to you, Andrew. 
Uh, yeah, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. Shout out to Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, and Alicia as usual. Please join the Shasta Army. That's our $1 tier on Patreon.com slash Superhouse Podcast. Um, slip into our DMs on Superhouse Pod on uh, Instagram um, that Ben probably already uh, that Ben curates. And um, please send us any mistakes or anything like that to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> also, to that same email, please send us our voice recordings that you may or may not have been hearing in our most recent episodes. Um, these uh, could be something like Superhouse is fucking awesome, or you're listening to Superhouse, or whatever. Open up your voice recorder app, do a little recording, and then share that to Superhouse podcast at gmail.com and you too can be a part of Superhouse. and i think that's going to do it i'm looking forward to the telltale tutelage bin and uh that's it for me i'm wolfie cruz on instagram that's c-r-u-z-z i also run a meme page called sentient meme generator check that out on instagram or facebook come join my movie group uh the overly critical hyper analytical movie club on facebook and shout out to Daniel Crozer. Go on Amazon and watch Isolation Man, his absurdist superhero feature. Superhero absurdist. I don't know how to describe it. Go watch it. It's crazy. <laughs> and thanks for coming on again, DL. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Check us out again. Same bad time. Same bad channel. listening to the Geekscape Network. 